Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. I've been a member and supporter of Go Wild for over a year now. Man, how time flies. Their social media platform is for hunters by hunters. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I'm in the woods or on the water if I'm not working. And yes, some ask, do you work? Unfortunately, I do. It's a place that I post all of my trophies, no matter how big or small. Mine, mostly small. I get tips, tricks, tactics, and advice from people who eat, breathe, and sleep the outdoors. I log all of my outdoor adventures, including the time spent listening to the best podcast in the land, The Journey, hosted by no other than yours truly. So when I need anything outdoors, I just log on to the Go Wild store, pick out what I need, and that's anything from hunting, fishing, camping, optics, outdoor wear, and yes, hound supplies. I'm proud to partner up with the Go Wild team. So let's get your journey started today here on Go Wild. Guys, with hunting season literally right on us, and I know um, the guys up north, I know Maine, New York, I think Vermont, I know Wisconsin, season come in July 1st, but for us southern folks, it don't come in until August 1st, and we are in a heat wave. I mean, I'm walking outside and I'm swimming in my own sweat. That's how hot and humid it is. So, sorry for you guys that's up north and northwest that, that I'm a, a month late on this, but I thought this was very important. So today we've got Dr. Garrett Bailey in easy the house. On, easy on the doctor there. <laughs> so for you guys that haven't heard before, uh, Garrett was on last fall. We did one on um, puppies, whelping puppies, what to do with the females, how to medicines to give them, not to give them, worm and so on and so forth, shots with the puppies and raising the puppies. So that was a good one if you want to go back and listen to it. But today I thought because of the heat and the humidity and every year, we deal with this in our group that somebody's dog falls out from heat exhaustion, um, heat stroke. Uh, we're going to touch on some snake bites and bees because we've got into the bees a couple times going into trees or, or treed with, with bees in them. So that's the thing we're going to touch on. And we're going to let, let Dr. Bailey kind of give us some information, some tips, some stuff to do and not to do. So our group is lucky because we have him with us 
And if he don't do it, we tell him we just hog time and keep him in the woods until <laughs> he does it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll stay there gladly. <laughs> he don't want to go back to work either, right? Negative, Ghost Rider. Uh, not, not in hunting season. <laughs> no. No, I'm banking my time. I can't wait. I'm banking. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I cannot wait. Um, well, I think we're all, but I don't, I mean, like, it's too hot. I mean, we talked about it. I like, know. It's 90 some degrees today. I did not pull the humidity, which we'll get into that in a little bit. It's up in the uh, upper 80s Upper today. 80s, so yeah. way too high. It might touch 90, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Garrett, how's everything? Your, I mean, I'm I'm in your house, isn't it? It's good, table? man. Yeah. We're just having youngins, dogs yeah. running everywhere, trying to get something legal to drive for hunting season. A little bit different. I found out last year antique tags don't really <laughs> cover you. You're just supposed to go to the garage or a... Uh, yeah a car show yep. not be loaded down with hounds but so, <laughs> that's kind of what we've been into today yeah i pulled up in the driveway and i mean dogs come out of the woodwork i oh, mean they every were, or they're everywhere they come out of the trees from out front of the porch two met me halfway down the driveway that's that's what katie says she says someone's gonna hit them i said look ain't no one coming up that driveway that shouldn't be here because it is so rough <laughs> and everyone coming up here knows their dogs and youngins running everywhere well when i turned the corner down there i'm like all right blue dog get out of the way get out of the way <laughs> she'll move <laughs> and then i pull up in the driveway and garrett's garrett's hanging out from underneath the, the toyota he's um He's went sideways with the rest of the group. I am so disappointed in you, Garrett, for not going full size. Oh, man, I'm telling you. The money. I know. I know. I get it. I'm, Man, I just hope my old truck lasts me another. If it'll get me through December, then I'll work on it some more and get me through another December. I heard that. I got the backup. I got the old Nissan in case the Yoder breaks down. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I've got, an, I've got another one if I need it. I just don't want to use it. I don't want to tear it up. So... Hopefully, old Rusty will. You dang right. Last, it's going to like me and Maddie were talking about this the other day. It's going the the truck that is going to outrun the body. Right, the frame probably going to go and. The, well, I mean the the bed, the fender wells and stuff right. are rusting so bad right now, and I just need to get some sheet metal and get a good bed liner. They won't fall through that bed liner. I've got one in it. <laughs> That'll save you. <laughs> well, I tell you, let me tell you about and I didn't I didn't realize this. So when I was down um, North Carolina back in May. My truck was acting funny, and so on the way home, I called my garage, and I'm like, hey, this is what the truck's doing. Something's not right. I said, I swear, I think it's in the front end. And he said, all right, he just bring it in when you get back. Well, I was hoping I could make it back because I was still two hours out from the house, and it was it was awful. So I get back, take it to the garage. He calls me two days later and said, hey, we got you fixed. You're ready to go. And I said, oh, well, what was it? And he said, your um, shock mount had broke and your shock was jamming well i didn't realize it but there's a shield underneath my bed um like a metal plate was it resting on that oh it had almost poked a hole through it (laughs) that's what probably kept it from flying off well and that and if i hadn't had that plate there it would have done it would have went through the bed and probably got one of the dogs so now i feel you i guess all bear hunters especially in this country they're working on trucks basically during season yeah it just happens it'll buff out's my motto until it won't <laughs> then, yeah, <that's laughs> and then right. if you can't hunt well you gotta have a backup that's right uh, i know and it's so hard i had to borrow my buddies i had to drive at yoder around last I've seen year you in oh, it. Yeah. that was so painful <laughs> i mean it was painful knees in the dash driving a straight and it wasn't a four-door either it was extended no cab, no it well it was the old the old four-door. It, it didn't have a door on it 
It oh, was yeah. it was ex- uh, just get, extended. Right? Yeah, extended, like but you had job. to yeah fold you had to fold the seat up to get in the back. Right, right. Yeah. But you know, thank goodness for friends because he helped me out. You but, dang right. Um, yeah, that was torture. That was the last week in the early early season. So yeah, yeah. I remember that day. I think we walked that bear up and down the creek. Was that that day? Mm-hmm. No, it was a different day. No, I was in there. Yeah, yeah, I was in there that day. Yeah, yeah. I think that was when you had the Toyota. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I had it a couple of days. So, but Garrett, like, like I said, I want to talk about you know this time of year is awful, and I want to make sure that everybody has everybody. I mean, probably at some point in time, if you've hunted any length of time, you know you've seen some type of heat exhaustion at least. Um, right. And I, I talked about this on a podcast a couple, maybe a month ago or so. Um, yeah, I guess it was back end of June, first of July. We had a guy. Uh, that had warrants. He bailed out and run it from his house. We pulled up. He took off running. Ended up doing a track with Pino. And I mean, this is twice that I've seen this happen with Pino. Is when that back end starts going, like mm-hmm. boom, boom, like he gets a little wobbly, and he don't get so big. I've not seen him get bug eyed yet, but right, that back end starts going, and he starts losing. Yeah. You know, um, you get ataxic and weak, and yep, yeah, <clears throat> and, yeah. I really thought I had done some damage to him because I'm not going to say I was pushing him, but he just wasn't quitting. Right. Like, he wasn't quitting. Well, that's what we run into with these dogs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they ain't going to quit until they lay down. At least, hopefully, the ones we're toting around ain't going to quit until they lay. You know, it's just, it's in them to to run to catch. and, And that's what we run into. But, yeah, I shoot through a few things here yeah try not to get too bogged down but you know there there's a difference in heat stroke and, and heat stress and of course a fever mm-hmm. when we're dealing with heat stroke um you know we're dealing with a marked elevation in body temperature it's actually defined as anything over 105.8 which is why it's very important to have a thermometer, thermometer with you i mean yeah have one in the box have two in the box i mean you know have them at the house they're very helpful with not just this but you know anything mm-hmm um that's the thing here we got so many katie she's like i think i'll go get another and that's 100 percent chance that's been a dog's hind end or a cow's hind end <laughs> but but anyway so this triggers a systemic inflammatory response and multiple organ dysfunction over time you mm-hmm. know once once they get hot and um they're hot for some time that's kind of what we run into and it's just because their body is can't dissipate heat effectively at at that that temperature well, let's and, talk let's talk about that real quick before you get into the medical terms because you and i just had this conversation and what people don't understand is and if you're in a high humidity area um we looked at it and you said it was up in the high 80s today right um temperatures 90 degrees um high 80 humidity the dog sweats through through panting that not all like humans everybody knows this humans right. sweat dogs pant exactly when the moisture in the air is of that high quality the dog cannot release that moisture through panting right so i.e that turns into the dog overheating right and that's one of the four mechanisms we'll kind of hit on to dissipate heat you know evaporation i mean and that's how they're dissipating heat when they're this hot because the other three methods just don't work Mm -hmm. and we'll go over them but the um 
you know, heat stress is a little bit different. You know, both of these are a result of an external source that a dog can't escape. Just heat stress is 104. We define it as 104 to 1058. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is before a lot of times you'll see the signs that we're talking about, like with Pinot. You might see a little bit of ataxia. You know, the dogs are going to fall behind and, and they're not going to be right, but they're not too that that danger zone mm -hmm. and the thermoregulatory you know the hypothalamus the set point's still the same with heat stress and and a heat stroke unlike a fever you know when a dog has an inflammatory response they that set point's 102.5 per se 99 to 102.5 is normal body temperature in a dog so the hypothalamus that's a set point that they drive up you know to fight bacteria or whatever a virus fungal disease whatever it might be and even pain you know with pain that set point will go up to increase the amount of inflammation where where they're injured mm -hmm. or an injury whereas you know that's not the case of course of course with heat stress and a heat stroke um but some risk factors you know the an ambient temperature over 89.5 is when you know some heat loss from conduction convection radiation and evaporation happens and, and what that is is you know conduction away a dog cools is is one is conduction they lie on a cool surface and mm -hmm. that's like you know you see it a lot walking from a tree you know the dogs are all amped up and after you get done screaming and cussing at them and they finally wind down <laughs> you're on your way back to the truck and if you're like me you're a little overweight and you're panting too and you're <laughs> wanting to lay down and while you're resting you'll see them they're kicking leaves out they're mm -hmm. trying to get down to that cool soil to lay down because mm -hmm. they transfer that into their body yep um whereas convection is air blowing over the skin that cools the dog um radiation and we're going to go over that a good bit because it's a big a big deal with this mm -hmm. is where they vasodilate so you know all of the blood flow that's generally centralized whenever they have a heat stroke their vessels get bigger and they move that blood flow out to the periphery and that's how they they kind of blow off a lot of heat that way um kind of through infrared heat waves um and then fourthly and very importantly is of course evaporation which is is done through panning Mm -hmm. And, you know, the mucous membranes and, and everything kind of cool the air as it comes in, goes to the respiratory tract, oxygenates the red blood cells, and then the blood goes and perfuses all of the tissues and vital organ function. Um, so, so that's the four ways that we'll be talking about. And, yeah, when the air is humid, evaporative cooling doesn't happen efficiently or effectively at all. I mean, it just it doesn't work. So they're sitting there panting. You look in their mouth, they got that thick saliva, and it's mm -hmm. coated all over their soft palate and you know, they just, it's not working effectively whatsoever. Um, so, so the risk factor, of course, is that ambient temperature, the humidity, and then what we're doing during it, of course. I mean, we're setting <clears throat> ourselves up for it. Um, but, but it is what it is. I mean, we can hunt these next 53 days or what mm -hmm. fortunate for the state of Virginia, unfortunate, but anyway, yeah. we won't go there. Um, water availability, of course, is very important. Some things that decrease heat, dis heat dissipation, um, is of course the high humidity confinement and poor ventilation which is something worth hitting on with dog boxes, dog boxes. i mean when you put dogs back in there i don't care how open it is you got four or five dogs mm -hmm. crushed in each side you put your hand in there yep and um it's a big deal and we'll hit on that you know a little bit more here in a little bit obesity underweight dogs dogs that are out of shape, shape. yeah i mean that's huge mm -hmm. um prior heat strokes i mean once a dog strokes once it's very likely to happen again if mm -hmm. it is a true stroke. Now, I'm not talking about heat exhaustion. I mean, right. all of our dogs have heat exhausted. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's no way around it when we're hunting this time of year. Um, but, but dogs that actually stroke out are very likely to stroke out again. So one big thing, too, 
is acclimation or acclimating to the temperature and a dog does that over time but it takes time and we see a lot of heat strokes like we'll see a lot of dogs from west virginia that heat stroke in the spring and it's not real hot yet but you know it'll be cool in the 60s and then you might have a day that jumps up to the high 70s well them dogs haven't acclimated yet they go run hard you know make a tree go to make another tree and then they end up stroking out it's because mm-hmm. the acclimation process hasn't really happened yet and it happens over a period of 60 days they'll start to conserve more water there'll be some salt retention there'll be plasma expansion and then their cardiac output will increase and um and again that happens over you know 60 days which is another thing to consider you know how are your dogs housed are they you know out in the element well you know if they are that's kind of good on acclimation opposed to to being inside or being in a cooler environment if they're in there all the time i just told my guys um back our last training day um so this is the end of july mid-july um everybody had their windows up air conditions running full blast i had my i pulled up in the shade and had my windows down and my air condition cut down they're like what are you doing i'm like because when i take that dog from that that 60 degree temperature and i put him out here in this 85 degree temperature it's harder on him than letting him sit there and work through it exactly like he in in an 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 old um one of the first canine schools that i went to the guy uh robinson i can't remember his first name robinson was from tennessee and that's what he said he said don't just keep i mean yes when the sun's beating down and you're out in a wide open parking lot and you've got the heat coming from the pavement and the car which mine's black right you know yes absolutely but during those training sessions i'm very cautious or i'm I'm trying to help the dog so I'm not hurting him in the long run. Right. Yeah, no, that's using your head for something other than a hat rack there. Yeah. I mean, because you wouldn't think, you know, you're trying to keep yourself cool in the car. Mm-hmm. And then, you yeah. know, no, absolutely. Um, so there's two different types. There's an exertional and a non-exertional. You know, we see a lot of, of non-exertional too, just old fat bulldogs. You mm-hmm. see it a lot in Mississippi. You know, they just go outside to take a pee, and the next thing you know, they're stroked out because their brachycephalic was a smush face and can't draw air. Mm-hmm. And um, But we're not going to go into that. Of course, we're dealing with exertional heat stroke with strenuous exercise. So just to try to hit on kind of the pathophysiology, real, I'll try to be pretty quick with it, but this just describes why things happen, how they happen. But, um, you know, when a dog can't effectively dissipate heat, they – it causes inflammation, coagulation, and tissue disorders. So anything over 105.8 results in nervous tissue damage. The nervous system can get damaged. Now, it has to be there for a little bit. You know, you're talking, you know, 10, 20 to 30 minutes. It's not like they're going to touch that and all of a sudden, you know, neurons are going to start dying. Right. Um, And as they climb over 107, we have cellular apoptosis, which is just where the cells start lysing and dying. And over 109, that's where you start to get neuronal death. And, you know, it's irreversible and it stays over there for some time. You know, that's when you get the old drain bramage or mm-hmm. brain damage. Um, and neurons die. And, you know, when a neuron dies, it's dead. It, it doesn't regenerate. Generate. And that's the same thing with a nephron. You know, a nephron is the cells that make the kidney up. Hepatocytes, which make the liver up, they do regenerate. But, you know, a lot of these dogs we see do go into kidney failure. And I'll kind of hit on that. Um, but... You know, during the thermal injury, the the physiologic response is vasodilation. So the central body temperature gets so high that the dog vasodilates to move more blood flow to the periphery where they can, you know, achieve the cooling that we talked about earlier. 
um, radiation and, and the infrared heat waves come off of them. So as it does that, it causes a hypovolemic state because all the blood's going to the periphery to the extremities. Well, internally, the cardiac output increases, which keeps up with that. But then, you know, all this time they're sitting there panting ineffectively. They're just getting hotter and they're getting hotter and they're mm -hmm. getting hotter. Well, eventually cardiac output decreases. And a normal physiologic response is vasoconstriction. And when that vasoconstriction happens, the blood flow can get where it needs to go more effectively ig the kidneys 25 percent of cardiac output goes to the kidneys and and the brain and everywhere else so but during a heat stroke that doesn't happen the vessels stay big so these dogs go into hypovolemic shock um and at this point you know you're getting you're, you're getting to the snowball effect of 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 death i mean mm -hmm. it's starting so and what temperature is this? Um, this is once they've been. I mean, it can Exposed. vary. Uh, most of the time, you'll check them, and your thermometer won't even read it. I mean, oh. they're that hot. Yeah, when they're to the point where they're flat out, uh -huh. and they they're they're down. You're you. I mean, I encourage everyone get a thermometer, and even after like a, a tree, just check check their temperature. You can see which dogs are going to be more tolerant to heat and which aren't. <clears throat> so let's look, look, maybe we're jumping ahead, but let's go over that real quick. I mean, I know we've all seen it or done it or whatever, but um, we're going to do it anal. What right. what? How long do we hold the thermometer in there? So get a digital. A digital. Yeah, yeah. I've lost a few mercuries up some hind ends. Don't get a mercury. <laughs> <laughs> That's always an awkward conversation. Hey, we're gonna have to get these OB forceps out and dig it out of your dog's hind end. But you know the digital is kind of hard. So yeah, stick it in there. I mean, you want to get all the way up until where you can read actually what the thermometer reads mm -hmm. rectally. And, um, you know, I always turn the thermometer on outside of the dog and it's going to say 98.6 <clears throat> and then it's going to start flashing lines. Mm -hmm. That's when you insert it in the dog's hind end. Yep. Keep it in there until it beeps. Once it starts yeah. beeping, that's Even your temperature. Whatever. And most of these dogs, if you do that, you're going to find that they're so high that it won't read. Hopefully no one has to do that. But right. But it'd be, it, I've always wanted to, and I never have, but it'd be nice on the days that, you know, you tree two and it's noon and you knew you shouldn't have, and you get everything back to the truck and, you know, pop a thermometer and all of them, just see yeah. where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, and age has a lot, the older dogs don't ha don't tolerate heat as well that have had a lot of miles put on them either. And color, you're talking about the black car app. Mm -hmm. You know, black dogs will overheat a lot quicker. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so, so with the hypovolemia, um, you know, at that point, that's something that, needs to be addressed more so than we can really do in the field and that's when you need to start thinking about you know calling a vet or or making some <clears throat> some plans for that but but onward with what happens so the neurologic system as this heats up though a lot of times they'll get over you know 112 to 115 and that's where a lot of times you'll see the neurologic signs like you'll have a dog that'll have a seizure or you'll have a dog that's extremely ataxic or you look in their eyes and it's like they're on a whiskey drunk it's like your buddy you look in him and say he ain't there no more we got to get him to the house yeah um, but yeah. uh but you know they're collapsed they're stumbling they what happens is the vessels as they're vasodilated the endothelium which are the cells on the on the inside of them um, are really stretched out and they start to kind of die because they're hot and and they get edema just fluid leaks out and they get mm -hmm. cerebral edema in their brain mm -hmm. and that's when you'll start to see a lot of the neurological signs um you know with the gi system and, and this is i'm sure everyone that has had a dog heat stroke or heat stress has probably seen this i mean last year on this table here old um koa. koa she was mm -hmm. sloughing her whole intestinal lining here and, yeah thinking well we eat on this thing but we got a towel down <laughs> but but anyway so 
the direct thermal injury and poor perfusion to the gut because all of the things centrally aren't getting perfused well again because of the radiation the radiative heat um you know you'll see really bad gi ulceration oftentimes they'll start vomiting blood and they'll start just blowing nasty bloody diarrhea i mean if you yep. look at it you can see their intestinal lining in it mm -hmm. and um you know they're sloughing the lining and uh this is where we can get gut-derived sepsis. So, you know, all of that barrier is gone. So, you know, our GI tract's full of bacteria. Mm -hmm. And um, the ba bacteria will translocate, you know, through the gut wall and into the vessels. And that's where they'll develop sepsis and um, mm -hmm. they'll go septic. And, uh, you know, with the liver, the liver also, I mean, it's basically cooking. You know, it's right in the center of the body, um, just cranial to the stomach. And it's very, very important in, you know, synthesizing clotting factors and, um, you know, with, with worsening heat stress and, and a heat stroke that we run into coagulopathies, which we'll touch on in just a second. But before that, the kidneys. So 25% of cardiac output goes to the kidneys. Um, you know, blood is shifting from the dog's core to the periphery and to cool the kidneys. Actually, sometimes they'll start bleeding because they are so underperfused and they're cooking. Um, so when you say 25% of the output, the cardio output, let's just put that in layman's terms. That means 25% of what the heart's pumping goes, goes to the kidneys. Absolutely. Okay. One, yep. I'm with you. Yep, yep. Yep. So, so you got to remember they're dehydrated because their panting's not, they're right. not effectively cooling. They're right. also in hypovolemic shock because all their blood's going out and trying to get cooled. So their kidneys are getting hammered. Mm -hmm. And you know that's where we experience see a lot of dogs go into kidney failure you know if we save the dog that's great but a lot of times you'll recheck blood work and they'll be azotemic meaning their kidney veins are up, values are up and sometimes they won't be azotemic because 66 percent of renal function has to be gone before we even see clinical signs on the lab mm -hmm. um you know their their values will be normal if they got fifth, half of their kidneys are working i got you so you know um that's interesting yeah there's a lot of of perfusion issues whenever a dog heat strokes and the kidney is the one organ that we see that if dogs do make it um you know there's there's a lot of lasting damage on the kidneys and cardiac as well i mean they'll throw cardiac arrhythmias you put an ecg on these dogs and i mean it's it's wonky real mm -hmm. wonky and um you know we have to treat those accordingly and the heart also is cooking i mean mm -hmm. it's in the center of the body too you know and it's it's having a lot of thermal injury as well so it's like i mean it's like they're they're cooking inside out they pretty much are that's exactly what they're yeah. doing we're just i'm just basically describing what that cooking's doing to them you know i mean and, and once you know sepsis and systemic inflammation um that's what ends up really getting them as they go into multiple multiple organ dysfunction syndrome and um, they go into what we call disseminated intravascular coagulation. And the increase in the body temperature, basically they have anti-inflammatory effects going, pro-inflammatory effects going, and, um, you know, there's a bunch of things that happen that are so in-depth. Hell, I, I can't even remember what half of them are. But, but basically, um, you know, as this is happening, the thermal injury is going on, they can go in, they, a lot of them do go into to DIC, and um, they just start bleeding. I mean, you'll pick their gums up and they'll have what we call, you know, purpura and ecumotic hemorrhage on their gums. They'll just be bruised, you know, and then mm -hmm. their belly, they'll start developing um, bruising on their belly. And, you know, that's where, you know, oftentimes, well, all the time I'll have a conversation with clients and say, you know, look, what's our goal here? You know, this dog is, is 
maybe going to recover, you're going to have to, you know, spend, be willing to, to be all in and it could be thousands of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. and realistically this dog's running days are likely over, you know, and, and not always, but usually, I mean, you'll ne- that dog will never perform like it did before it had that heat stroke. If mm-hmm. it's that severe, you know, right. um, but another thing, um, with, with pain management and a lot of, of people do this and have NSAIDs on hand or non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like carprofen or mm-hmm. Remedil, Meloxicam, stuff like that, that we use when a dog gets beat up and we all know you'll have extra and you have yep. it laying around. It's contraindicated to give a dog non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that is experiencing even heat stress or heat stroke nope. because the liver metabolizes NSAIDs or like carprofen, Remedil, mm-hmm. you know, and the kidney excretes it. So if the kidney's getting hit and you're giving NSAIDs and causing the, you know, the kidneys are, you can, you can cause a lot More of damage, damage to So you're kidney. saying do not. Do not. Absolutely. Okay. Make sure yeah. I was on, I, yeah, I thought that's not. what you, you right. used some big word, Garrett, that I, I didn't understand. Well, I didn't either. I just said it. <laughs> But but that's that's certainly a big no-no. You know, we use opioids, which, you know, mm-hmm. are, of course, a control drug when they come in because they are super painful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and um, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of a lot of the pathophysiology on what happens. There's certainly a lot that's left out. But, um, you know, and now I think would be a good time to talk about, like, cooling the patient. So. Yep. You know, you get to the tree or you have a dog yep. that didn't make the tree and you go find it and that some buck is laid Way out and, mm-hmm. and, and in rough shape. So everyone wants to go to the creek. Go to the creek uh-huh. and dunk him and just leave him there. That's, I'm guilty. I've yeah. Done well, I've I mean, and the thing that I always tell, you know, other veterinarians is because they've never been in that situation. It's like, you know, we're in the woods. Mm-hmm. We're not. We don't have access to all the things that you think we should. We have. Mm-hmm. We don't have it. So, but. You know, whenever whenever you dunk a dog and you leave them in the creek, they can't dissipate that heat. You know that we were talking about with radiation. I mean, and they're they're internal sauna, and you're keeping yeah, you're keeping the heat in. Mm -hmm. You know, you're actually making it worse. So let's back up a second because I've I've had this happen to two of my dogs in the past. Um, when I when I get in there, and I realize that this dog is having heat issues, right? And I don't know if it's exhaustion or stroke or whatever, right? Is it best for me to try to carry that dog out or like one dog I, I carried for a while, but she was bigger. Um, right. You know, she was a bigger female and I was a mile and a half in. Yeah. I had three other dogs with me. So I carried her, I'd make her walk. I'd carry her, I'd make her walk. Um, and literally she was down for a year before I got her back. Right. And yeah. you were exactly right. The heat, she never did right in the heat again. Right. But anyway, so do I need to think about, um, and a lot of these Upland websites have like a sling that you could put in your, in your, in your, your bag. It's small. It rolls up. I mean, it's, it's smaller than a, if you rolled your sock up, is that something that I should be looking at or what should I do with that dog? So if it's heat, if it's a heat stroke, you won't have a choice because the dog, you're going to have to carry it or drag it, you know? Mm Um, cause it's going to lay there, but mm. with heat exhaustion, um, I'll look on the Garmin and see, you know, where is the closest water? Cause if I got a mile and a half to the truck dragging six dogs, you know, and water's 200 yards, I would, I'd be tethering dogs to trees and taking that dog to water. And when you go to water, 
you know, you want to work the water into the dog coat and its fur. You know, you can cup water. It's mm-hmm. actually they they cold water causes vasoconstriction, right? Mm-hmm. And which that that is it contradicts what it you contradicts want to do. what you want to do. So yep. if you read a textbook, you're supposed to use room temperature water or hot water. Well, that's real practical out there in the bush, you <laughs> yeah. know. So um, the best thing to do is kind of cup water out and just cover the dog. You know, rubber belly, rubber feet, rubber legs, rubber back, um, and just just get them wet because that's going to help dissipate that heat. And then you know, as you're walking out and air's blowing over, it's going to cool the dog. And that's really all that you can do at, in that situation. And that's heat exhaustion, not heat stroke. Well, and even with a heat stroke, it's all you can do, yeah. you know. But with heat exha- exhaustion, it's good to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I thought we were supposed to stay away from water because we were making it worse. Well, so you're want, not wanting to dunk them and leave them okay. in the water. Yeah, just, right. just make sure we clarify yeah. that. Yeah, getting water is good. Letting them drink <clears throat> is good. Water availability is super important, you know, mm-hmm. especially once you get back to the truck. These dogs that are exhausted, they got to have water, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but with a dog that's heat stroke, stroked or heat exhaustion, water is good to put on them. But mm-hmm. you just don't want to submerge them in water okay okay you want to to wet them and um and and work the water in and then what we do at the clinic is we put fans on them and Mm -hmm. i had mentioned alcohol when we did that that's bololone um yeah that's changed that's changed and that's the thing about veterinary medicine man it changes i mean we might we might have something new next year right before training season that we Mm -hmm. find out but the alcohol theory that causes vasodilation has actually been disproven and has said that it can maybe be worse for them because they might take some of that alcohol up in their bloodstream. Oh. So, so yeah, that's no longer recommended. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you want to, you want to get them wet and then you just got to get them out of the woods. And and at that point, you know, they need to be in the truck. You need to have the AC full blown. Mm -hmm. Um, if the old truck ain't got no AC, I'd put her up on a rig rack and I'd make time, you know, and, um, and get, get to the vet especially if it's a valuable dog and mm-hmm. you know the, with the heat exhaustion and you should know this because hopefully you have a thermometer if you get back to the truck and they're 106 105 106 they're still getting around you know get them water you wet them down cool. put them up on a rig cool them off put them in the truck and then recheck their temperature in mm-hmm. you know 30 minutes um the journey on houndsman xp has teamed up with one tdc this dual action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game changer for me. If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, Go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. Do you like to be outside like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user for years. It's the one app that I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, bedding areas, feeding areas, and the list goes on. In my travels, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I am blessed to hunt. Last year while hiking Yellowstone, I used Onyx to map out the trails and know the difficulty of each one. 
And here's a secret. I mark all of my favorite fishing spots on Onyx. It's been a game changer for me at work. I've used it multiple times to get in touch with property owners. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it in your everyday life. It is, by far, the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's approved by yours truly at Houndsman XP. So when you go to subscribe to Onyx, use our code HXP20 and get you a discount. So get your journey started with Onyx and know where you stand. But yeah, so so get them on the rig and and get them get them going and get them cool, and then recheck their temperature in you know fifteen to twenty minutes or whether whether in the vehicle or what. And there's a few things not to do that um, a lot of people want to do. Um, you know, don't ever soak a towel and put it over the dog, which, you know, you think you're doing good because the towel is cold, but you're actually not because, I mean, it's holding heat in and heat it's like a thermal dissipate. Blanket. It really is. Yeah. But it's crazy how many dogs will come in that are, have been covered up in a towel. Oh, wow. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's essentially a blanket. Um, but yeah, so the checking and rechecking the temperature is extremely important even in heat exhaustion dogs because these dogs will be cooling down and they're going to reach 103 and that's kind of the the number that you quit trying to cool a dog off okay. because their hypothalamus gets jacked up during this time anyway i mean their brain was cooking at one point you know right. so they can't they'll actually get hypothermic you know you can you'll recheck their temperature and the next thing you know it's too low for the thermometer to read mm. and that causes a whole i mean you know you're you're starting to get to the point where you're peeing up a rope when that happens. So mm -hmm. even in the clinic when we're, I mean, I'll, you know, a lot of times lavage these dogs, I'll stick a, a hose up their hind end and I will give them just room water temp enemas and just roll her. Mm -hmm. But you got to watch. I mean, because, you know, you can get them too cold too quick and, and then that's a whole nother bag of worms. So 103 is kind of the, 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 cutoff. the cutoff that you want to quit doing what you're doing and, um, you know reassess the dog how is he doing now you know if the dog started having seizures another good thing to keep in your box is k-row syrup i mean mm -hmm. these dogs will get hypoglycemic yep. i mean their their blood glucose will drop so you know if you're on the way to the vet and the dog is, is neurologic and you're looking in his eyes and he ain't looking back no one's home he's had a seizure or you know they they're they're stumbling around rub k-row syrup on their gums do not pour it down their throat just soak your finger in it and they'll absorb it through their mucous membranes. Mm -hmm. um, but um, another good thing that, and this isn't hasn't been proven yet, but I had a sport dog client. She's actually a veterinarian as well. I tried to call her to find out some information on this, but they were doing a study where they actually open their mouth and have like a ketchup bottle with water, and they spray off their soft palate. Because if you ever mm -hmm. look, their soft palate's so gooped with, with thick saliva. Mucus, yeah. mm -hmm. They're saying that that might really aid in helping them cool as mm -hmm. they are they're panting but i wouldn't recommend doing that because i don't know if it works you know and you know you don't want to waterboard them obviously mm -hmm. and get an aspiration <laughs> pneumonia yeah. we're gonna get him cooled off but oh, damn he's got pneumonia <clears throat> yeah but um and then once these dogs recover even the heat exhaustion dogs it's very important for them to get some groceries in them because you know as the gi system even if it got a little insult you might you know he might not be sloughing his lining but he's probably going to blow diarrhea and mm -hmm. he might even blow diarrhea for a day or two yep you know get some wet food boil some chicken some white rice don't be making no bacon or anything like that but you know 
get them something bland that's mm-hmm. easy on their belly and get them eating. Um, that really helps a dog out a lot when this happens is getting them back on feet yep. quick. So I've got a couple questions for you. Um, yep. And I've learned, I've been told this, you know, probably throughout my hunting career. So um, just making sure it's still a go or no go. Uh, like I carry Gatorade with me in my car for, for Pinot because it's got the electrolytes. Right. And it's got some sugar in it. Right. Um, I mix, I will mix that with his water uh, sometimes. And of course, you know that one of our one of our main sponsors, Dogs Are Tree, they right. have the the glycerol that's already pre mixed. Yeah. Hydrate one hundred and one, and it's right. It's, they already have it. It's a great product. I used it last year, and I didn't see some of the problems that the, the other guys had. Right. But again, y'all were running a little bit harder than I was too. Like I wasn't dumping it. Well, 12 o'clock in the daytime, smart. Garrett. Man, when they, when they cross the road, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to dump a box. <laughs> I, got my, I got mine padlocked at 10 o'clock. I got, I got so many dogs around yeah. here, my guy. I got to run them. <laughs> so, no, but that's the way to be. That's how, and that's what I preach. But, man, sometimes it's I hard. struggle. Yeah. Um, so I, I have Gatorade. Of course, I use the, the glycerol. I used it last year in my water before every run. That's a great up, idea. Up till yeah. mid-September, and I think I slacked off. Um, a lot of us have, have significant others, wives, girlfriends, whatever that are nurses. Right. I've got, and, and, you know, I got this from you, but I carry a couple of drip bags with me now. Right. Um, of course, right. you know, I've got you with me 90% of the time right. or somebody that's in the nursing field that can pop that in between shoulder blades yeah. and roll with it. Um, and that's something that, you know, in a, in a heat exhausted animal, it, it's sub-Q fluids are never going to hurt, but in a, a true heat stroke dog, you're peeing up a rope, yep. you know, with all the things that we just kind of went over, they need an IV catheter and shock doses of fluids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what they got to have if they're going to make it. But, I mean, you don't want to set on those dogs. I've had clients that have done, I've seen a lot of good dogs die that, they, you know, they'll heat stroke at 10 and they don't want to call this is back before i was working emergency medicine Mm -hmm. you know they don't want to call or you know they think the dog's gonna be all right and then you know four o'clock in the morning when he's still laterally recumbent and you know his intestines are falling out of his hind end and you know he's looking comatose you know it's too late Mm -hmm. you know at that point you know we're done i've had a lot of them die on the way in you Mm -hmm. know it's like windy heat stroke but Dang. that goes back to the, the having a thermometer. Like yeah. that, that really, that's a, guys, that's a $2.99 fix. Yep, right there. Like, I mean, it's. there's it, there, Yeah, there's no excuse for us not having a couple of those laying around in everybody's vehicle. Absolutely. And and it's they're so handy, too, you know, just in being a dog man and w- dealing with your dogs when they're mm-hmm. off, they're sick, they're not eating, check their temperature. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much. I'll even, I have um, a buddy and. You know, when he gets a dog tore up and, you know, it's not bad, but it may be, you know, he's debating on taking it or calling about getting it sewed up or something. He'll check their temperature. And if they marinate overnight, that's the first thing he does in the morning. Because, again, that set point with inflammation changes, like we were talking about, you know, the difference in a fever. Mm-hmm. A dog that gets tore up pretty bad, they'll develop a fever. Correct. And he'll check, you know, he'll check that that next morning. And if it jumped a degree, but he'll be coming, you mm-hmm. know. And, and there's a lot of value in taking a dog's temperature. Yeah. A lot of value. So let's talk about the box. Um, I don't remember where I was at, but this has been probably 15, a good 15 years ago or so. 
Oh, we were up north hunting, uh, midsummer, July, right. hot, hot. And in, in New York, you can't turn loose after it's 80 degrees. Oh, really? Yeah, you cannot. But we had had a hard run, caught the dogs up, and um, one of my buddies was with me, and we were in two separate vehicles, and we stopped at the gas station. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting a couple bags of ice. I said, bags of ice? He said, yeah, I'm going to throw it up in the dog box. So he literally got two bags of ice, left them full, busted them, throwed them up, just the bag and all. Right. Laid it up in there, and man, them dogs was like laying right against it. Yeah. Cooling. Right, um, right. And and I've, I mean, I've done it since, since right. I've seen him do that. Of course, like I said, that was 15 years ago. So yeah. what are some, like my box is not as open as you guys. Mine's got the slides on it, and that's right. it. It don't have rig holes or whatever. Right. But at the same sense, I I never have more than six dogs in my box. That's a big thing there. I mean, yeah. you know, and and putting them on the rig when they get mm-hmm. like that is because I mean you're achieving, um, you know, the airflow, airflow and convection cooling mm-hmm. um, is happening. You know, as you're driving down the road and they're on the rig, I mean they're going to cool off a yep. lot more effectively. Um, and then conduction um, dissipating heat, talking about lying on a cool surface. That's exactly what them dogs are trying to do when you throw the ice in the box, Mm -hmm. you know, but you have to be careful. I mean, if they're just exhausted, that's fine. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, but if they're truly heat stroking, that's a whole different deal. But, but yeah, I mean, that's a great idea with ice and just having an open box, I think helps. But I mean, I'll, I got five holes in each side of my box. And then the box I had last year had three and it got decent ventilation, but it's crazy when you stick your hand in there you're like, gee, many Christmas. It's a 10 or 15 degree difference. Yeah, easy. Yes. And easy. And like you say, you know, when you got um, five or six dogs in each side, I mean, they're cooking. Yep. And and the other thing, I think we hit on a little bit, but, you know, having a water box on the truck and when you get back to the truck, even after the first race, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, you tree one early and you're going to want to go try to find another one, water all the dogs. Yep. And, um, you know, that's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about out of shape. Um, yeah. cause you and I talked about it before we walked in here, you know, you was asking when I was going to hunt and I'm like, I mean, my main goal for the next week, maybe two weeks is to get my dogs out when it's cool, whether that be early morning or evening. Right. And just, just exercise them. I, yeah. I have no expectation of catching a bear now. Like you said, one runs across the road and I can pack it up and it's not 100 degrees. Absolutely. But right. I, need to, I need to acclimate my dogs. Yeah, and that I've been trying with my young dogs that, you know, I can road effectively around mm-hmm. here. You know, I've been roading them. Um, and But there's a big difference in roading a dog and getting them in. You know, there's a whole, that's a whole different deal mm-hmm. when they're chasing a bear opposed to, to just roading and exercising. Now, don't get me wrong, it's certainly better than not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and these young dogs are a lot more tolerable, but you can make an old dog out of a young dog quick. I mean, I see a lot of these boys in West Virginia. I mean, they run, you know, they catch a lot of bear and run all the time. You know, at six years old, that dog's old. Mm-hmm. You know, you they're not going to have a 10-year-old dog. Yeah. I mean, because they're either going to move it on when he's six because <clears throat> he's slowing down and he's not contributing or he's going to die. Yeah. You know, because of just the wear and the tear. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is getting them in shape, running them and then feeding to condition, man, that's a huge one. I always get people, how much do you feed? Well, I mean, every dog's different. Yeah, that's right. There's a body condition score <laughs> chart that, you know, it's one through nine and, and one to three is, is underweight and four to six is, is what we consider ideal and seven to nine is obese. And, 
you know, I got some dogs that eat twice what other dogs eat because they run the chain all. They're idiots, you know, but, you know, they, they run hard and they do what they need to do to keep, you know, sticking around. Mm-hmm. But you got to feed that dog different <clears throat> than yep. that dog that has a little bit more sense and lays around in the box and he's not, you know, and then the, all their metabolisms are different. So feeding to condition and having a dog, you know, fit mm-hmm. is, is very important as well. Yep. I mean, you know, really, really important. Yeah, I cut... So Pino, about I guess about mid-May, towards the end of May, I cut his food back, and um, he looks really good right now. You can you can almost count the last three ribs, like right. al- almost. You right. can see two. It depends on how he's standing or turning. You can maybe see the third one. Yeah. And all my guy, my canine, they're like, man, you got that. I'm like, it's summertime. Yeah. Any extra weight is putting extra burden on him. Absolutely. Like they, yeah. Y- y'all guys, I mean, they got these the gsps and i'm like fattered mode yeah they need to go on a diet yeah like come on uh-huh. like you can't you can't operate in the heat like that but i also understand that if my dog's overweight and i try to i try to cut his food the week before it, season yeah. and then i put that burden shock on him Absolute. for running him I'm just making it worse too. Yeah, yeah you and it, I like I assess them every time I feed them. You know, mm-hmm. when I feed, as you see, all my dogs are on chains for the most part, and rock or dirt. And I mean, I pick them their feces every day, and I look at them. Yep. And you know, if if they're starting to see a little bit of the top of their hips, or they're getting a little ribby, or mm-hmm. maybe they're getting a little too fat, and I put my hands on them too. I mm-hmm. mean, I feel what kind of fat cover they got. I mean, I got one crossed up dog out there. I mean, if they all ate like that, I'd cut my feed bill in half i I feed her half of what i do everyone Mm -hmm. and she stays fat right you know she stays in good condition so so every dog is different that's right and feeding to condition is important i like to see them going in like this time of year at about a four to a five a six i think is too fat i Mm -hmm. mean but now six is normal you know it's it's a normal four to six is normal um but you know i like to see the last couple ribs and, Mm -hmm. and um but yeah yeah so Let's talk about bees real quick. Yeah. So I've been in, I mean, this this happened to me a couple of years ago, went into the tree. The dogs were off the tree, and I couldn't understand why. I'm like, well, they going? they're barking. Like, right. Well, I go in, and I, and I mean, I'm literally standing right beside. I'm standing in a yellow jacket's nest. They start eating oh, me man. up. Um, the dogs, the dogs had several stings on them. Right. Is there something I can do? Is there something that I should do to maybe curve that yeah i mean diphenhydramine benadryl benadryl i mean that is it you know it's an antihistamine there's a huge histamine response when a dog gets stung by bees Mm -hmm. you know i see them all the time at the emergency clinic Mm -hmm. you know they'll come in and their muzzle swollen well we don't know what happened but you know was it a bee or was it a snake well leave him here overnight and i'll watch it and then i just slug him with benadryl i mean i give it under the skin you know mm-hmm. give it a shot of benadryl but a pill works just fine and it's a milligram per pound oh i was going to ask yeah. that was my next yeah. question milligram per pound. so you know 50 pound dog gets 50, 50 milligrams. milligrams which it comes in 25 milligram tablets so that's two tablets and you can do it as often as every eight hours uh-huh. um but you know generally it's very very rare to see a dog come in that's been stung by bees that needs much more than that right you know if they get if there's a fair amount of swelling around the airway then you know we might reach for some other things but um you know usually there's not their muzzle will swell up and even around the airway sometimes if i know it was a bee i'll just do the benadryl and i'll kind of keep the dog overnight and just monitor it i actually had one last or two nights ago um you know had a bunch of swelling down mm-hmm. around its throat latch there um under its under its chin and 
um, you know, the guy was kind of worried about it being a snake, and he didn't have money for anti-venin, and, you know, so we kept the dog. And after Benadryl, within three hours, you know, yeah. it looked a lot better. So let's let's talk about the snake bite real quick. So we know um, Bryce done a podcast, you guys, if you hadn't listened to it, um, Deep and Lonely, <coughs> with, uh, with Dr. Bronx, and he has some really good information on there. And Benadryl was one of the things he talked about right. with the snake bite. So is there any other... Any other any other thing we should do? And I know we you'll talk about the anti venom, but yeah, I mean the thing, you know, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. I haven't got to listen to that podcast yet, and mm-hmm. I plan on it. But um, yeah, I mean anti venom is kind of the treatment. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you the AVMA, that's what they they recommend, and it works. I mean, but you know, a vial six hundred fifty bucks, and mm-hmm. you know you got to have an IV catheter. They got to have IV fluids. They're hospitalized. I mean. I've had dogs that have taken three vials before. Um, and, you know, the truth of the matter, you know, if a dog gets bit by a copperhead in the leg or, or something like that, it really depends on how much venom they get. A lot of those dogs, that whole leg will blow up. It'll get very swollen. And, you know, I'll have people that say, hey, and, I mean, I'm one of them. You know, if that's a young dog and he got bit and he's not doing a whole lot, well, I mean, I'm not about to spend $1,200 to give him anti-venom. I mean, I'm just you know we got three kids running around here and student loans and bills like everyone else um Mm -hmm. but you know steroids and antibiotics actually by the avma now are contraindicated now you know it's not a perfect world i'm not going to sit here and and say that i've never give steroids to a snake Mm -hmm. bite because i'm not a liar and i'd be lying but um you know as far as recommendations um you know, Benadryl is a big one, a mm-hmm. milligram per pound every eight hours. Um, and then I would recommend just reaching out to your local vet. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's more than that, anti-venin's not an option. Um, and, and getting some advice or, or taking the dog in to be seen. Right. Well, is there anything, is there anything else that you think we would run into during the early season right now when it's hot, foliage is out, all the all the vent, all the creatures are out messing around. Is there anything that you think we skipped over? You know, not necessarily. I think that's kind of the three big ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, other things we can hit, you know, any time of year with just injuries. and. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are kind of the three three big ones that we're going to see this time of year, at so, least that is in my head right now. So let's recap that, and then we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a question, we're going to wrap it up. All right. So thermometer. Guys, there's no sense not having a digital thermometer. Um, I have a few of them. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm going to um, – when I get to work tomorrow, I'm going to go buy me another one. Um, and I've, I I have the old one, so I'm going to upgrade. <laughs> upgrade. I'm telling you, I've lost, I literally lost one up a dog's hind end one time. Yeah, no. I turned around to write in a chart. I was in high school and turned back around, and uh, it was gone. I mean, the thermometer was uh, – we had to go fishing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I learned from you last year, which I've invested in, is a good set of um, clippers. Um, right. So I, I'm doing that. Yeah, no, that's extremely important. Yep. I mean, golly, I can't beat that up enough. No. I mean, when people bring a dog in that got tore up two or three mm. days ago because he's not doing good now, um, you know, and the hair is literally matted on the wound and it can't drain, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to buy um, a pair of clippers. I mean, it's extremely important to get everything clean, yep. get it flushed out, um, you know, and to assess the wound. I mean, 
I can't tell you how many times I've had holes that end up, you know, going into a body cavity, but no one ever really looked at it, you right. know, and it comes in a couple of days later. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's herniated. You yeah. Know, we got to, he got, has to go to surgery. So, <clears throat> and Cairo syrup. Yep. Man, you can get that at the DG. Yep. And again, $1.99 hook you right up. So for 10 bucks, not excluding the clippers, but for 10 bucks, you can have what you need to make a good assessment and get the dog to help, i.e. the vet, or decide that my dog's not there, so I don't I don't need to, to rush it. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, so Garrett, I'm going to wrap this up. Tell me your favorite, your favorite hunt last year. Oh, what was your favorite man. one? I had a lot of them, but it was probably that bear I killed in the hole. In the hole. And yeah. we went back two weeks later oh. and caught another one in the hole, yeah, brought man. your shell casings to you. freaking awesome. Oh, my gosh. We start. I started, walked in ahead of a holler, and the, old, the only dog I had that was reliable at the time, and still kind of the only one, started opening, and uh, some of my young dogs took off, and, I mean, they were scalding earth and kind of left her, and... Um, you know, I thought they were trashing, and they ended up kind of pulling over into a big old holler and catching on the creek and walked for about 30 minutes and ended up treeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Brandon Thompson, old Glade Creek Kennels, he was with us that mm-hmm. day, and uh, he ended up packing some dogs in, and then old Hot Rod, old Sambo come, and uh, he packed some dogs in. The bear come out, and uh, it tore a few dogs up and ended up getting in a hole, and... Uh, I was going up there, and, I mean, I had done decided he was dying. I mean, Brandon had seen him, and had seen he was a good bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got in there, and uh, I was walking up through there. I mean, I was tore up like a can of sauerkraut. And Brandon <laughs> said, Garrett, Garrett, you dropped your magazine. And I turned around. I had one bullet in my pistol, uh-huh. and the whole 15-round mag was sitting there on the ground. So I got that, and I'm glad I did. And, uh, man. We are duct taping and Velcroing your stuff to you this year. I'm telling you, man, it would have been rough if I would have had one round because we'd have been turning back on him. Uh. I mean, we got in there, and Wormy, Sam's Mac dog, a couple of the young dogs out of Spook, and uh, they were in the hole. And, uh, you know, he was in there just – luckily, he wasn't a mean bear. I mean, he was terrible. Uh-huh. You know, he wasn't mean, but – Right. I mean, he tore some dogs up. But um, and I, we got – you know, Wormy don't have a tail, and he was the last dog I pulled out and uh, finally got him out, and he had – his jaw was kind of hanging off where he had locked jaws with the bear. And uh, the bear come out, and I, I mean, I was feeding them to him. But uh, <laughs> I got 15 rounds for a reason. I can't shoot a pistol worth a hoot. And they said, oh, Hot Rod said, got a little Western up in there. And got, I was like, was Wesley there or was it Garrett? <laughs> it got real Western. And uh, he ended up deciding it was a better idea to back out of the hole, and that's where he messed up. Uh, and got in behind them ribs and yeah. let her purr, and, and we killed him. You know, he he died right there. Was, yeah. About 250. I mean, it was a good, a good pretty boar bear. Yeah. And, uh Man, it was it was a good time. Yeah. I'm ready to make a lot more memories. Like yeah. that. I don't really care to kill them, but you know, yeah. a situation like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like killing, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, but that's not what it's about for me. You know, it's it's about the dog. So, well, I I killed one last two year, and I I have no desire to kill one. I still don't even know why I pulled a trigger. It wasn't. I, hey, that situation. I don't know how you wouldn't. Have. Well, I mean, I didn't have nowhere to go, that's for sure. It was going to have to be me or him. I can guarantee you he'd have died if I'd have been there. Uh, I'll tell you what on Garrett. Like, 
I don't where I don't remember what which hunt it was. Oh yeah, we um Jeff Shetler was in and and um his wife and daughter were with us and we had treated a bear and anyway we're hauling ready uh Garrett was up in the holler way above us and we were trying to tell him where we were at. Well Garrett's dogs kind of filtered in. We tied them up and we had we had already taken the bear, got it back to the truck. And here comes Garrett. I mean, he, I mean, literally popping out of the brush. Like it's like Moses parting the water, the, the laurel thicket opened up. Here come Garrett and he don't have a radio. He don't have his Garmin. He's lost his oh, phone. The bear's he, dead. He don't have a hat. And I'm like, Garrett. And he's like, I lost everything coming down through there. And I, that's why we kind of poke fun at him tell him we're going to Velcro and duct tape him and tether everything he's got this hey, year. Everything but my soul and my boots that day. <laughs> I mean, it was gone. I luckily found the Garmin, but it took uh, a while. The yeah. radio is still down in that holler somewhere. Yeah. And that's the first time I use that radio. So that's why I got mine tethered. Hey, I got a new, I had a dang bino case that I was using, which was stupid. And I got to crawling through, you know, the laurel and uh everything come undone several times so i got a new setup this year i, I mean i'm still going to lose a lot but hopefully it won't be as much don't use the sitka binocular pack do not because you it will, will not hold your equipment simply fact not fiction and if anyone wants one i got one for sale i mean i'd even give it to you yeah <laughs> to upgrade right <laughs> I, I done upgraded but i still got that thing and i do not need nothing to hold no binos not here in good old appalachia oh garrett well i appreciate it like i said i'm gonna i'm glad hopefully this helps people out helps people if they do get in that shape to make some really quick decisions and get the dog where they need it when they need it there like i said over the several years i've had a couple dogs and you and i just had this conversation about my old jack dog i honestly think that played a part in what happened to him i really do there's cumulative damage happens from heat stress i mean yep. it really does and it can show up six months later because oh, absolutely well it's four months later for him yeah so yeah i mean 100 percent. so 100 percent. well i appreciate your time and thank you for helping us teach train and learn yeah man and we're gonna get after him next week simply fact not fiction <laughs> that's right <laughs>